Welcome to Sacred Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA with training in pastoral care and counseling. And I'm Paula. I'm a licensed counselor, a counseling professor, and a person of Christian faith. As we're getting started, we just want to say that Sacred Intersections Podcast is about respectful discussion and conversation to encourage you to think. We're not trying to make you think like us. We just want to make you think. That is our agenda. Neither one of us speaks on behalf of the Presbyterian Church USA or other organizations which we may be connected to in our professional lives, nor do we speak on behalf of all mental health care professionals and practitioners, people of faith, Jesus followers, white women, Americans, or people who are ready to see some snow. Rachel, are we, are we really ready to see some snow? I mean, I spent a significant portion of my life say maybe uh over half in the north in lands where snow was more regular like real snow like real snow um and i will be traveling with my spouse to uh michigan see the reason i'm hesitant is because the snow you grew up with and really that i grew up even in the mountains of north carolina people know how to drive in that snow yeah down here people do not people do not they they lose their minds at one flake and so part of me goes and they know how to clean the roads i imagine in michigan and yeah i agree because i feel like if one of us were to go to the grocery store right now and say the word snow miraculously like in the snap of a finger like Milk and bread would disappear. People would start panicking. and People would be making their milk sandwiches. It would be a thing. What is a milk sandwich? (laughs) It's not not a thing. It's just... (laughs) I've never heard that term before. Brody's the look on Jill's face right now. It's not an actual thing. It's just a joke because the milk and bread gets wiped out. It's like, why milk? Why just milk and bread every time? Anyway, back to the podcast. (laughs) Um, Sacred Intersections is a podcast that includes discussion and conversation about religion, spirituality, mental health, and all the ways that they intersect. Because we were already having these kinds of conversations, and so we just decided to record them and share them with you. We're just really glad you're here with us along for the journey, even if you're traveling different roads or you're driving different vehicles than we are. So, Jill, we're doing a little different kind of episode today. Yeah. So there's two things that we, our goals for the episode today are, we thought it would be fun to give you um, five really fun things that have happened in the first year of Sacred Intersections. Um, And then we also are going to be releasing this on the 21st of December. Uh, So we wanted to revisit the episode we did last year on holiday stress and give everybody a chance as they're walking into the height of the holiday season to just have some wisdom that we offered up from last year in conversation about holidays and stress. Yeah, you're getting some new stuff and you're getting a rerun. And I just realized I said rerun and for our younger listeners... (laughs) That's when you see something. That's in the old days when you we had to wait for a certain time to watch something on TV. And then there might be weeks that it wasn't a new episode. And so we called it a rerun as opposed to watch it again on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing, yeah, the first parts are going to be all new stuff. We're going to give you some of our top moments from the year for the podcast. And then we're going to drop in the audio from last year where we talked about holiday stress and handling the holidays a little bit so i'm really excited about this first part yeah so we've been a podcast for a little over a year 
Yep. We did a little bit of celebrating at the beginning of November this year. To Yes, we had our anniversary and we asked for um, anniversary gifts from our roadies of reviews and subscriptions to the podcast and We've gotten some really fun new we've reviews. Got some. Thanks for the anniversary presents, Rodi. Yes. Thanks, thanks to those who have done a review and those who haven't. We are still accepting gifts of an Apple review on podcast or subscribing to the podcast, which is totally free. All of these cost you nothing, but a click on your phone and maybe some typing. Um, but yeah, so we're looking back over the 2021 so for those of you listening in the future we're recording this the week before christmas in 2021 Mm -hmm. and we just thought we'd look at some top five moments some of them are serious some of them are just kind of lighthearted and fun but we've just so enjoyed this journey with you and we wanted to to revisit a few moments from the podcast all right so so we've got five so paul tell us one of the great moments of the first year of the podcast for you so The one for me that I want to talk about first actually just happened. And this was not actually something that the podcast did or this is, this is sacred intersection adjacent. It's not really something that we did, but as, but we commented on this earlier in the year. So I did think we should um, at least celebrate that Josh Duggar was convicted on the charges that we discussed in the episode earlier this year with Carly, who joined us, a trauma counselor who joined us to talk about that. So Josh Duggar, for those of you who may not, surely all of you know who Josh Duggar is, but if you don't, he's on a reality show, part of a very large family um, with the 19 kids and counting and has been, Carly and I talked a lot about how it's a religious system that um, is problematic in many ways and has and really swept a lot of abuse that happened in that family under the rug. And so he, at the time that we did that, Carly and I did the episode, had been arrested for, officially he'd been charged with child pornography. The official, which the, that's the, the charge, because that's the terminology they use still in the federal government around that. The more appropriate term for what he had now is considered child sex abuse material. Um, using that term rather than child pornography. But I wasn't sure he was going to be convicted. I wasn't sure he was going to be held accountable. And this is, it was really just a celebration. A lot of, a a lot of what I've read about this and been following different um, people talking about it and different message boards and blogs and podcasts that this trial was very symbolic of a lot of abuse that people had experienced in um, religious systems and that it was very healing for people to see him actually held accountable and not be able to fall back on the power of an abusive religious system to cover him for that. So so while it's, it seems horrific to celebrate something like that, it, it really was healing to see some accountability on that. And I have to also say that one of the key things that helped convict him was one of the prosecution witnesses was a woman who he used to attend church with and who he confessed some previous instances of abuse to. And they tried to, the defense tried to not let her testify saying that that was a spiritual confession because she was someone whose church and the judge didn't buy that because in their system, women cannot be leaders. So he couldn't be confessing to a spiritual leader. Oh, 
the patriarchy. Their patriarchy turned around and bit them, and it was beautiful. Mm. (laughs) It Mm. was beautiful that Mm. their own words Mm. about women not being allowed to be leaders meant that this couldn't be a confession to a spiritual leader. So that testimony was allowed, and I think was a piece of that. So, um, So that was just a celebration to see some accountability of an abuse that happened at least in part due to an abusive religious system. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's hope too, I imagine, that in the in being held accountable, that perhaps through the work of the Holy Spirit, that he will do some reflecting and maybe some reconciliation work and mending and work on himself and the things to to bring about some even reparations for the abuse that took and harm that took place. So, yes, that is a beautiful hope. I I share that hope. Well, and that leads me to thinking and in, in thinking about that hope, it leads me to a pretty big celebration um, in that for people who have suffered religious harm, that if they happen to live in North Carolina, they might be able to seek counseling from the Center for Healing Religious Harm, which you have opened this year. There's a there's a center in the world. There's a place in the world where people can go and seek healing from religious harm and religious trauma. And you opened it. Aww. And we're sitting in your office. <laughs> we are. And yes, thank you for saying that, Jill. I, I just... I think this is appropriate to go on the list, even though this is something that's separate from the podcast, but I don't think I would have done this without the podcast and without these conversations we've been having and without hearing from our roadies about how meaningful these are and unfortunately seeing how rampant religious abuse and spiritual trauma and religious trauma are. Um, So that has been a huge just motivation for me to want to provide more direct services. We love talking to you through your podcast app. And um, I also just really needed to have some more hands-on time with clients and supervising counselors and providing consultation services for churches anywhere. That doesn't have to be North Carolina. But um, but yeah, I mean, the clients that I've already connected with, it's just, it's work that I have such a passion for. And I'm just really thankful to you and the podcast that, that it created this motivation in me and that God, I think, has worked through. Well, and two, I'm 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 not only thankful that a center for healing religious harm exists in the world, and thankful that you're the person that's leading it, but also thankful for your students as well. Like I think about some of the professors that I had in graduate school, and the ones who were practicing theologians as well as teaching theologians had an impact on me. And what a gift you're giving to your students to be practicing and teaching at the same time. So that's two of our top moments of 2021. We also had, getting more specific to the podcast, we let some other people join our microphone here at Sacred Intersections. We did. We did. We had uh, Carly helped with the Josh Duggar episode, which was awesome. And then we had two of the people who identify as male in our lives, your brother Jamie and my partner Andrew, talk about different things to guest host with us which was I had super fun doing it with Andrew I think you had fun yeah we had fun it was so fun I think to interact with these people in our lives in a different way in a more formal way and to really have intentional conversations yes yes so yeah so 
Andrew and Jill, Andrew, Jill's spouse, joined her for a talk on... A mission trip. A mission trip. Talked about teenage mission trips and Andrew's experiences in, in being a teenager and connected with... with And we got really interesting feedback about that. We did. And Andrew a, made me cry, I think, listening to that episode. Yeah. It was a powerful, powerful thing. He tried to masquerade as you at the beginning of the episode and he just couldn't <laughs> pull it off. Um I love Andrew so much. And then, yeah, Jamie joined us to talk about, does Jesus care who wins the Super Bowl? So we talked a little bit about, like, how the sports world intersects with the religious world and how it can get weird sometimes. But we also, I think, had some really cool conversations about winning and losing and what that means from a spiritual perspective. And it was just really fun for Carly and Andrew and Jamie to... To join us and to have some different voices leading, yeah, guest yeah. hosting with us, yeah, and not to be lost on everyone the week that Jamie co-hosted with you. Jamie also has served as a pastor, and it was Holy Week. It was the week before Easter, and so like, I'm still saying thank you to Jamie for that for giving me <laughs> during like our own little church Super Bowl of getting ready for for Easter and stuff like that. It was awesome for Jamie to step up and do that. And we were talking about the Super Bowl during Church Super Bowl. That yeah. makes sense. There it is. And speaking of other people who joined us, we had some really cool guests we that had came some on. Awesome guests, yeah. So Dan Cook came on and talked about Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, Dan Cook, who's the host of the You Have Permission podcast, which um, has been gracious enough to have me on to talk about my research and has just been a really very supportive friend of the show and has um, really, I think we have a lot of overlap maybe in some listeners. So some listeners will will maybe perk up a little bit when they hear the name Dan Koch. So Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. And I had gone on his podcast to talk about Ravi Zacharias and some of the religious harm around that. And then he came on our podcast to do a follow-up mm-hmm. on that. So that was fun. And then we had two people who we got some really cool feedback on. Yeah, experts. So it was really powerful to have our friend Emma come and talk. I think it's fair to call her friend. I hope. I hope. Uh, Emma, I continue to be uh, blessed by the conversation that we had with Emma around racism and systemic racism and race as an issue and talking about the the way the black church exists in the world and just conversations about code switching. And it was one of many conversations that we hope to keep having. I think that episode probably more than any other is where I continue to hear people being impacted and maybe changing their mind on some things, which is just really cool because, you know, racism is something that we think is really important to talk about and talk about our responsibility as people of faith and in owning some of the history of the church, not doing a great job there. And as two white women, you know, we had 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 an episode where we wanted to talk as white people to white people about what we thought we should be learning. And then Emma, who is an African-American woman was willing to come on and share some of her experiences. And I just, I still think about the beauty, the beautiful way she described her experiences in the black church yes, and how much it means to her Yes, when we talked about why Sunday morning is often the most segregated hour in America. And if you've not listened to 
We'd love for you to go back and listen to all of our episodes, but that one in particular, I think, is just still to me one of the most powerful conversations yeah. that we've had once yeah. we really got in there and got oh, to talking about stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then Craig Cashwell, Dr. Craig Cashwell. Dr. Craig Cashwell, my mentor from my doctoral program, came on to talk about spiritual bypass, which I've, I've heard a lot. Of, I think this one was really helpful for our counseling people out there. That, that was a term they had not heard, many people had not heard before. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it just had such an impact in the way that we think about things. And I know it has inspired me to have conversations with some members of our church family at, at the church where I serve as pastor and even folks in the community about just thinking about the ways in which we use God to bypass other things. And that's an area of your expertise, but of Craig's expertise as well. And he fit right in with us, but also <laughs> developed some some roadies. Y'all really love Dr. Craig. Craig Cashwell just got a little fan club out of that episode <laughs> in and of itself, which is not surprising at all. But I was teaching a class this semester on spirituality and counseling with a focus on religious abuse and religious harm and and had them listen to, had my students listen to that episode on spiritual bypass after we had talked about spiritual bypass and then Craig came on and talked about it and I feel like explained it so much better. And so my students, the next class after they had listened to that podcast, were gushing over <laughs> him so much. They had done a discussion post that week and I got permission from my student Edward to share this quote that he started out his discussion post talking about Dr. Craig Cashwell saying, first, let me say that it only took a single podcast episode for me to develop a significant crush on Dr. Cashwell. I would like to sop up his humble wisdom and transparency with a biscuit. <laughs> I mean, is there a better word picture for what we hope to do on Sacred Intersections there than sopping is. up what we're saying with a biscuit? Hey. So I, the way that this class was gushing over Craig in that episode, I just said, well, I can see if he would want to zoom into our class. Jill, you would thought that I would had that I had said Ariana Grande or whoever Billie Eilish whoever the hippest person in the world is right now was coming they they gasp and their <laughs> eyes got big and I realized I'm like okay I can't promise I need to at least check on this <laughs> and he was very gracious and did agree to come and chat with my class for a little while and they loved that too so so all of our guests that came such a such a great experience in that our gratitude for them taking time to come and talk with us. And just, I know with all of our guests, I just learned so much and experienced so much of my own. Like we say in our little disclaimer that our goal isn't to make you think like us, to make you think. And all of our guests and our guest hosts all really did that. Really, really got me thinking about stuff. And that was a really positive, positive thing. So thank you again to our guests and Rodies, if you have a guest that you'd like to recommend. Or if we, you have an area of expertise that you would like to talk about. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. For sure. For sure. One of the other things that I don't, I don't know if you, I did not expect this to happen, but one episode in particular of ours got a fair amount of traction and even inspired some live speak live. I mean, 
I mean, we're always alive. We're, we're, speaking. we're always live. Uh, there, we did not gather with other people in the same place. But we did an episode on Christian nationalism. Uh, it was a couple weeks after the uh, attack on the Capitol on January 6th last year. Isn't that crazy to think that was this year? It, it's so crazy. I, I know time. We keep saying time is a weird thing these days. But to think that the Capitol riots... We're just this year. Yeah. Like last year at this time, they had not yet happened. But we were invited to speak to a group of two different groups of undergraduate students. We spoke to one together and you spoke to a group of undergraduates on your own. And then we spoke to an interfaith gathering about the topic of Christian nationalism. And it was a really fascinating thing to just have many conversations about the way that works its harm in in our communities and in people's lives and the impact that it has on people's mental health to to practice christian nationalism and like more yeah. thinking more fascinating conversations yeah that and those engagements came those invitations for those speaking engagements came out of that episode yeah and i think neither of us would have considered ourselves an expert on politics and, right. <laughs> and I mean definitely interested but not an expert so that it was interesting that that episode got so much traction and wound up snowballing into other opportunities for us to talk but I do think it's interesting to think about how maybe not a lot of people are talking about Christian nationalism as Christians talking about it from the perspective of faith and how we think this is a bad thing for us as Christians, and we think it's a bad thing yeah. for our country and our democracy. Yes. So I think we, that was, I think that people were drawn to kind of that unique perspective. And that told me again, this is something we should be talking about, roadies. That exactly. we should be having conversations about this and our responsibility, even if it's something that might give our particular ascribed faith more power. Um, it's not necessarily good for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what the what the uh, speaking engagements or what the events did is, hopefully it's readily apparent to you all that Paul and I really love each other and love talking to each other and having these conversations and recording them. But the opportunity to expand those conversations in the same way that when we had guests come on, adding another conversation partner, all of a sudden with these events, we had all these extra conversation partners of college students and um, even people who do not identify as Christian, having those conversations was a really unique opportunity. And it was great to just have this bigger interaction. So uh, it was... And the people who don't identify as Christians, I think it was a really important point for them to see Christians talking about this. Yes. And to realize there's a different narrative out there than all Christians are just trying to seek political power yeah. and influence. Definitely. Definitely. Which yeah. is one of our goals overall in the podcast is to add different narratives to some of the stereotypes that are out there yeah. around religion. So our last top five moment of twenty twenty of, of twenty twenty one. I we haven't we said we weren't gonna rank these and that it wasn't like so that was not a countdown. We would say all of those were kind of up there, but this I do is think the best one. This is the best this one. This is the best one. Yeah. Our roadies! Our roadies! We had so many awesome roadie interactions this year. It was so, like, and that's the, it's the perfect tie-in to just say, our roadies, you are the best part of Sacred Intersections. 
being able to interact with you. you and hear from you. We have super fun stories about random things that have happened in our life. Yeah. I, I, this one cracked me up and just touched my heart so much. You know, in our last episode, I was the first time I talked about opening the Center for Healing and Religious Harm. And a few days later, after that episode dropped, I got a text from one of my best friends who lives across the country, who I went to my doctoral program with, who the text just said, Paula, my mom was listening to your podcast and said you're opening a new practice to see clients and to provide supervision. And it just, that is such a 2021 world that one of my best friends got news about my life from her mom being a roadie, listening to the podcast. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Awesome. So fun. Yeah. I Being able to reconnect with people who I have not heard or been in contact with in many, many years was just divine. Who like, get to hear your voice now. Yes. From, you were like, didn't you connect with some people who were in your youth group when yes. you were a youth minister? Yeah. And... Being able to just connect with people from different religious communities that I've served, even from when I was a baby, baby youth director right out of, out of college and figuring my way around things. And it's just like warms my heart to hear from people and to hear that like people are listening. It's, you know, cause we used to talk in our early episodes about what countries we were adding to our listeners and things mm. like that. And it's very easy to go on Anchor, the app that we use. Anchor. Anchor.fm. <laughs> the, the no, save it for the official commercial. Podcast platform, <laughs> which we use for our episodes. <laughs> but it's easy to go on there and see, like, how many listeners and where they live. And we don't ever put faces with names or names with numbers or anything like that so it's fun to hear from different people whether it's from a review or people connecting us in in uh in real life or something like that but it's a lot of fun and it makes a difference because you know we do we are sitting here talking into a blue snowball microphone blue snowball the microphone that we use yeah what are we doing all these free commercials jill (laughs) sorry (laughs) and staring at a computer screen so we don't see Who's on the other side of the yeah. app. And it's fun when roadies reach out and tell us that they're listening. We had one interaction with a roadie. It was our first interaction where it was not someone that either of us knew who was listening, who we then had the opportunity to meet, who described herself as a roadie to us. In person. In person. In real life. And it was the first time anyone had self-described themselves. That <laughs> Self-identified self- as yeah. a roadie. <laughs> so we, that was it brought so amazing. us a huge amount of joy, even to the point where we have had a handful of people who have come and worshipped with us at our congregation, and it was a huge highlight for my life. Yeah, usually when someone new comes to worship with us in our congregation, we'll say, "What? how did you hear about our church? What brought you? And someone said, I listened to your podcast, and I'm sure you could hear my scream all, or I went, oh, <laughs> that's so exciting. It was very, very exciting to have that be a thing that brings us together. Yeah. We've had some people who, they listened to the podcast, they found us kind of randomly and then discovered they were local to us. Like maybe didn't make that connection to start listening to us. So that's been fun to connect with people that way. And and I'm realizing we're talking about like how we've enjoyed hearing things and getting feedback from people, but we're just so thankful for you all. Yes. Yeah. We're so thankful for the ways you make us think, the ways yes. you give back to us what we're trying to give to you and that you encourage us and share your stories and the 
And the, those of you that have reached out to us by email or on social media and shared portions of yourself and your stories, what a gift you've given us to help us think and, and to help us help direct our episodes and our thoughts. So you are the best part of Sacred Intersections. You have helped us think and we're so grateful for you and we love you. We really do. So that's our top five moments of 2021. Yes. What a year. Yeah. What you know, a year. I'm so glad we did this because we're about to, we are going to shift to the other episode, um, but we've, we've got a few wishes for you as we end this year, but it's been a hard year. It's, it's been, been a, hard, a year. hard year. I think for both of us personally, in a lot of ways, it's been a hard year for the world. And I, this was just really fun for me to sit here and remember what an amazing year it's been as well. Yeah. It's so easy to get to feel the cloud of COVID and everything else going on in the world. And so this was just beautiful. I didn't realize how much I needed this to sit here and reflect on the top five moments of our podcast. Yeah. That's inspiring me to do that in other areas of my life. That's great. So if you have top five moments, roadies, let us know. We want to hear from you. We always yeah. want to hear from you. But we, in shifting gears... So this episode is dropping on the longest night of the year, the winter solstice, December 21st. And there's a special worship service that I have led at multiple uh, religious communities where I have been blessed to serve in leadership. And uh, we call it the blessing of the longest night. It's a particular worship service that is very specifically geared to people who have a hard time around the holidays. I think there's this expectation culturally that the holidays mean you are cheerful and jolly and all of the wishes and all of the hopes and everything that goes with that, which we talked about last year and you'll hear in the rerun of that episode. But I just... That is coming up. You don't even have to go back to it. It's coming up on this one. But I just wanted to say that that you're loved however you find yourself. And if you need permission to not get all the Christmas shopping done on time, if you need permission to not be joyful, to cry during a particular Christmas carol, or to find ways to not be okay, hear, hear that permission being given to you. Hear our wish and our prayer for you that, um, that you find yourself surrounded by a spirit of peace, and that however you are existing in this holiday season is okay. Amen. And we had a couple of pieces of literature that I think just really spoke to both of us that we wanted to share with you and leave as, as a blessing and as a reflection of this time. So um, do you want... You want to go first or you want me to go? Yeah. I we have a couple of, we'll link these in the in the uh show notes as well. But there's a, a couple of things that have inspired us that are are connected to a, a Christian perspective on the holiday season. Um so one of the accounts that we love that I think we've mentioned before on the podcast. Hey, I can never be mentioned enough. I love following black liturgies on instagram and on facebook it actually the best way i've found to follow the same thing on facebook is the black liturgies is run by a woman named cole arthur o'reilly and so i've not found black liturgies on facebook but i've 
followed Cole Arthur Riley on Facebook. So we'll link both of those. But she's just got this amazing talent to provide comfort while not dismissing pain. Mm -hmm. And that's that's hard to be able to hold both those spaces. But she's a beautiful writer and she she um, releases meditations and often talking about justice and so um so is it okay if i i read one of the prayers that she posted this week and then you can read um yours as well so this is again this is a a prayer written by cole arthur riley who also runs the black liturgies site on instagram and the prayer goes god of the long and aching wait this year has swelled with the grief and loss and longing of many we want so much more than the present condition of this world. Where are you? There are seasons when it becomes difficult to believe in your nearness. Would you make it known to us now that as we carry each other through this season, we would find miracle in the mundane, tiny flashes, tiny sacred flashes of good as we wait for a healing that lasts. Help us to dream that we would find even our prayers grown large in this season, asking for those things which we have seemed, which have seemed too good or naive. Help us to dream, not that we would pine for some mirage of how things used to be, but that we would hold space for visions of life where justice can breathe, where power is mobile, where liberation leaves no soul behind. Mm. Come, God, and we will wait. Ah. That's so beautiful. Life where justice can breathe. Yeah. That's, uh, every time. She just gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had a beautiful poem. Yeah. So, uh, Jan Richardson is an artist, and she is a, a person who has suffered grief. She Her husband died many years ago, and she wrote a beautiful collection of prayers and blessings and poetry, uh, called The Cure for Sorrow, A Book of Blessings for Times of Grief. She has done a lot of other liturgical work, and I commend her work and her artwork and her liturgical work to you. And uh, she talks about the blessing for the longest night. And that poem is often part of our longest night worship services, wherein anybody who, who needs space made for them, whether this is the first holiday or the next in many holidays without someone you love, whether holidays are difficult because you have strained relationships, whether holidays are difficult because you are uh, battling addiction or on a journey of recovery, maybe you are out of work, maybe life isn't what you pictured it to be. There are so many reasons to be tired. There are so many reasons to not be okay. And we just creating space to not be okay in a sacred way has been an important part of my ministry for a long time. And so I just love that. And this poem that Jan Richardson wrote is called The Blessing for the Longest Night. All throughout these months, as the shadows have lengthened, this blessing has been gathering itself, making ready, preparing for this night. It is practice walking in the dark, traveling with its eyes closed, feeling its way by memory, by touch, by the pull of the moon, even as it wanes. 
So believe me when I tell you this blessing will reach you even if you have not light enough to read it. It will find you even though you cannot see it coming. You will know the moment of its arriving by the release of the breath you have held for so long. A loosening of the clenching in your hands, of the clutch around your heart, a thinning of the darkness that has drawn itself around you. This blessing does not mean to take the night away, but knows its hidden roads, knows the resting spots along the path, knows what it means to travel in the company of a friend. So when this blessing comes, take its hand and get up and set out on the road you cannot see. This is the night where you can trust that any direction you go, you will be walking toward the dawn. Wow. That is a beautiful promise. Mm -hmm. Any direction you go, you will be walking towards the dawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Towards the sun, towards the dawn, towards the sunlight, towards hope. There's so many promises, and I'm so thankful for Jan Richardson's words that seem to make space, just like Cole Arthur Riley does, to make space for hurt um, and for there to be blessing in the hurt. And it, for there to be hope in the hurt. Yeah. For there to be realistic hope, not Pollyanna hope, but like, yes. it gives you permission to hope when this year has beat so much hope out of so many of us yes so yeah. roadies before we jump into our uh the rerun of our holiday stress episode just our wish for you as you head into this holy week into the sacred intersection of many things of of mental health just want to say that you are loved beyond measure and to take care of yourself oh, wash wow. your hands and <laughs> Say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. As we wrap up this, the new part of our last episode of 2021. Yeah. I just want to thank you for going through this, making, being a bright spot in 2021, Jill. It's fun to do this with you and I hope we get to continue doing this for a long time. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So we, we wish you hope that I think is our, our prayer for each of you as we, Say goodbye to 2021 or catch you on the flip side or say hello to 2022 whenever you are listening to this in the future. But thanks for traveling these roads with us and we'll take a quick break and then you will pick up our episode from a year ago. We're going to warn you roadies. We, that was, that was like was one a year of our, ago. That was a year ago and it was one of our first episodes ever. So not that we're super polished now, but. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what you're gonna all you're gonna hear in that episode, so but I do think it's got some good stuff in it. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you in 2022. Welcome to Sacred Intersections Podcast, where we navigate the twisty roads of harmful theology, mental health, and religious abuse. I'm Jill. I'm an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA. And I'm Paula. I'm a licensed counselor and a counseling professor. And Jill. We are in episode four. A new hope. <laughs> that is an A-plus Star Wars reference. I feel like I need to get all of the points for that. I don't know a lot about the star movies, but... Star movies? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not as big a fan probably as your husband, but I I am a huge fan, so I do love a good Star Wars reference. And we and should probably warn our listeners that we're a little punchy. <laughs> so y'all may get some good bloopers out of this intro that we've done several times. But um, 
we are in our fourth episode and we thought that we would talk a little bit about holiday stress and the ways that the church perhaps contributes to some of that stress. But before we get into that, we, we got to talk about our listeners. Um, yeah, Paul, have you seen the analytics of our podcast? We're like, we're, we're worldwide. We are almost. super international. Yeah. Last time we recorded, we only had Canada at the time of recording and we love Canada. We love you, Canada. We even got to hear from one of our Canadian listeners and interact with it them. Was Great so to hear awesome. from you. We're super excited about it. And we made it to a few more countries. Yeah. So, hello, Australia. Australia. South Korea. We love you, South Korea. New Zealand. This is very exciting. The UK. Uh-huh. I think we also got into South America. Did, did I see Brazil on there? Brazil. Yeah. Germany. We, we've got North America. We've got South America. We've got Europe. We've got Asia. We've got Australia. We'd be really excited to welcome some folks from the continent of Africa um, one of our earlier attempts at taking through this, we've had a couple of blooper reels already, friends. Um, we talked about the idea of perhaps having a listener in Antarctica. And the picture <laughs> that I have in my head, that's probably a little bit more stereotypical than it should be of someone in a weather station wearing a parka with penguins surrounded on them, uh, you know, cuddling up to their computer and maybe leaving us a review on the <laughs> I liked the idea of the penguin being our listener as well, but that's much more stereotypical. Antarctica, if you feel like you want to listen to us, we are very excited to have you around. We love you all. We really just are so grateful for how this is reaching so many people and so many just wonderful emails that we have received. We have, I think we both sobbed this week with some of the messages that listeners have sent us. And just to know that this is perhaps touching one person's experience is really amazing so and we really do hope to be able to build a community around this and um we say it and it might sound fake but it's not we really like you and we're really excited that you're coming on this journey with us um in addition to tracking countries we've also been able to attract states and we can see who from what state is listening to us which like you said, it's not too much of a big brother thing, but um, I noticed that my home state of New Jersey is not on the list. What's so up, New, New Jersey? Jersey, the garden state, home of the best pizza and the best bagels. I will fight you on it. <laughs> uh, we'd love to have some Jersey listeners. So come on, uh, let us know who you are. And while we're on the subject of that we want to come up with some fun names for our community. We do. While you're thinking of fun names, we also, with the states, we have a goal of getting to all 50 states. Yes. So we're going to target one state a week until we get you all. Yeah. So this week is New Jersey. So come on, Jersey. So obviously we don't have listeners in New Jersey, so they're not hearing this. But if you know someone in New Jersey, send them our podcast. Don't make Jill and I have to travel the country, especially when it's not safe to travel right now. Right. But we will if we have to eventually yeah. to get to all 50 states and listen to our podcast in all 50 states. And and there's some IT guy or some data guy going, that's not how it works. Probably really <laughs> annoyed with us right now. But. but if we went to New Jersey, we could have some of the best bagels mm, in the country. I do love bagels. Yeah. So maybe we maybe New Jersey can, we can go be the listener in New Jersey. Sure. If we don't get any New Jerseys. Yeah. But we do, like you said, we want to come up with a fun name for our listeners. You know, other podcasts have little, have names that they call their listeners. And we have a few ideas, but we really want to hear from y'all too. What do you want us to call you? 
One of the ideas that we have is that you are our fellow travelers through all of these sacred intersections. You're our FTs. So that's one thought uh, that we have. If you have other suggestions, you can interact with us on social media. You can come and check out our new website. (laughs) I'm really excited about the fact that we have a new website. SacredIntersectionsPodcast.com. Yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit about the holidays. It's the uh, week after Thanksgiving. We just, in America at least, celebrated American Thanksgiving last this past Thursday. Uh, so holidays are fresh. We are officially in the holiday season, even though it feels like the holiday season started months ago in like retail centers. But um, let's talk about holidays let's and talk. stress and the church and mental health. Yeah, I think this wasn't the episode that we really anticipated being our first topical episode because we're so passionate about so many other issues but as we talked about it this one just seemed to make sense yeah for this time of year of being right in the throes of of the holiday season and knowing that this holiday season is much different than past holiday seasons um if you're listening to this at some point in the future we're recording this at the end of november 2020 which means we are right in the middle of covid and numbers increasing and so we know that's going to overlay everything but holidays even in the best of times just can wind up being super stressful they really can as you and i were talking about where mental health and the church intersect in a sacred way around uh around this particular topic as i think a lot about expectations there's a lot of cultural expectations, but there's a lot of expectations about how your mental health is supposed to be around the holidays. There's a lot of expectations about what church is supposed to be around the holidays. And I think expectations in and of themselves can create stress for folks. Yeah. Yeah. I think you sum, I think if we, yeah, if we were to sum up holiday stress in one word, it is exactly what you said, is expectations. It's the shoulds in air quotes. It's the supposed to so you like you kept saying supposed to i don't know if you didn't realize that you were yeah. saying what church is supposed to be and what family is supposed to be and what gifts are supposed to be um so yeah so just a quick overview of where we see people stress out in general and then we can get a little bit more into how the church and christianity perhaps in particular and religion um, but the expectations you mentioned, there's lots of family demands around the holidays. We're going to talk a lot about that. There's f- the financial piece where yes. we're pressured to spend a lot of money. There's all of the time, all the demands on our time. And, you know, this time that's a break for some people, uh, but also winds up being busier and having more obligations. Right. <laughs> than before. And, the, and the value that's placed on being busy around the holidays yeah. my calendar is full I'm I'm these are all the demands on my time mm-hmm. and things like that so that's definitely definitely time and obligations and being busy yeah and a lot of the coping that we do with things can get amped up at the holidays where we've got a lot more food around us we've got more alcohol available perhaps for some people um and it's a really a time where grief can be really amplified that goes back to the expectations and what we've the, the construct of the holidays that we've, the meaning that we've put on the holidays and how loneliness can be amplified. Um, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, because we have multiple listeners. Multiple <laughs> hemispheres. <laughs> so exciting. But for those of us, you know, in our area that it's normal to 
for seasonal affective disorder or sad yes. to be kicking in and yeah. it's getting dark really early right and there are literally less hours of daylight and so the talking about dark times and um you've used the phrase before dark nights of the soul mm -hmm. and um yeah i mean the winter solstice here in the northern hemisphere is on december 21st when uh yeah. it's the sh shortest amount of daylight hours the longest night Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So we'll come back to talking later in the episode about the longest night, yeah, and what that what that is like. But there there's a lot of things coming at us from a lot of different angles around this holiday season, and some of it's coming from the church, and in some ways, I think the church is playing into mm -hmm. um, some some of the the other cultural expectations, um, and I think there's there's more of those shoulds and supposed to be's and ought to be's and expectations yeah. yeah talk a little bit about because you alluded to this last week talk a little bit just when we thought when you thought about this topic from that theological perspective and from that pastor perspective kind of what overall so I just listed I just made a list of of the mental health things that we tend to see more of around the holidays people taking less care of themselves and having all those extra stressors there but what are some things that came to your mind from your through your pastor lens well, so I think about two things theologically. The, the first thing that I think about is that in those expectations and there's shoulds and ought to be's, there is an expectation about how church is supposed to be. Um, church professionals, ministers and church musicians and youth directors and children's directors, um, we do get busier around the holidays. We we There is this expectation that uh, your your sermons are going to be a higher caliber and your church music is going to be a higher caliber because there are more people feasibly coming to church. And mm -hmm. this is the this is our busy season. This is our high season. So we have to be at our best uh, in the same way. We have many church professionals who have these words for uh, or names or titles for folks who don't come to church very often. Sometimes they're C and E. This is in the Christian church, but C and E Christians or Christers, the, the folks who might only come to church on Christmas Eve and on Easter Sunday. Mm. Uh, so I've and, always heard, yeah, Easter's your Super Bowl. I don't know what we call Christmas, but yeah. I've always heard Easter being your Super Bowl. Right. But there's, so there's a lot of expectations about how things are and how things should be. And all of our Christmas music and all of our children's Christmas pageants and everything is pointing to joy, pointing to uh, joy to the world and excitement and, and anticipation all things merry and bright yes all everything is merry and bright and there is not this space where it's not okay to not be okay uh so that's a, a way i think that both church and culture play into making the holidays more stressful because there really isn't space to not be okay but i also think about the ways in which holidays are uh a chance to worship and gather and celebrate something about God. Because when we're talking about, particularly about worship services, and being the church is not 100% about just worship services. There's, there's fellowship and there's Christian education and there's mm -hmm. mission and service and there's a lot of other stuff that goes into being the church. But when we look at worship services, all of our worship, we always want to be pointing to God. And so... That's another stressor around holidays because not every 
holiday with the air quotes is a liturgical holiday or a theological holiday. So this is a nerd alert for Jill. This is a nerd alert for me. So Thanksgiving, this is like one of my soapboxes. Thanksgiving is not a liturgical holiday. It's not something that's written into the Bible that we are supposed to celebrate. It is absolutely a theological concept. Gratitude and Thanksgiving are a huge part of our theology and and how we understand our relationship with God and with one another. But the fourth Thursday in November in the United States is not a day when we are necessarily called to come together and 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 worship. Um, I, I get on my soapbox about like Mother's Day and Father's Day and Valentine's Day and, and Veterans Day, all of which are really important days to celebrate mothers and fathers and veterans and people who are in love. But that doesn't necessarily point to God. And our worship is supposed to point to God. And so when we're worshiping uh, around Christmas in particular, we want our worship to point to God. We want to point to God that came on earth incarnate in Jesus Christ, Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, and Jesus' ministry. And we don't necessarily need to be pointing to how beautifully our sanctuary is decorated or the um, the caliber of the Christmas cantata that the choir has been practicing for months on end to sing. Yes, those things are beautiful and they enhance our worship. But when it becomes us worrying more about the costumes for the Christmas pageant or the bows on the wreaths, we're, we're missing the theological drive behind yeah. the holidays. Yeah, and I think that's important to make that distinction because, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording how we don't want this podcast to become a bashing the church. We don't want this podcast to become right. a bashing religion. And so, so that's not what we're saying here. We're not saying that beautiful cantatas are bad. They're Correct. beautiful. Yes. Beautiful sanctuary. Our sanctuaries beautiful when it's decorated right. for church. And that's, and you know, when you drive around and you look at Christmas lights, that's not a bad thing. It's just not the, it's just when that becomes the idol versus, I don't know. I don't think I'm saying that correctly, but. Right. So uh, I have a story. <laughs> So the very first church that I served um, as a church professional after finishing grad school, right after I got married, uh, is a church that's very near and dear to my heart. And on Christmas Eve every year, they would have this five o'clock Christmas Eve family service. And it was a Christmas pageant, but it was we called it the impromptu Christmas pageant. And all of the children would come dressed as one of the characters from the nativity and there were certain thoughts and expectations behind like you know if you had been in a baller you know in a, a dance performance earlier in the year and you had a tutu or something like that maybe you wore your tutu to church on christmas eve so some children dressed as shepherds and some children dressed as wise men or wise people uh some dressed as animals and some dressed as angels and what this church found was that it became a community event and so there were people showing up from the community who weren't necessarily aware that they needed to come dressed up and so we determined that we would have a costume booth in the mm -hmm. back in the narthex <laughs> that's a churchy word for like the lobby in the back of the sanctuary where anyone who showed up could dress up however they wanted to so 
the youth of the church and their youth pastor and I, and we would narrate the Christmas story. And then anytime there was a break, a certain Christmas hymn would be sung and all the, all, you know, we would sing angels we have heard on high and all the little kids dressed up as angels would come and stand. So by the end of the worship service, every child in the sanctuary is standing up in the, the chancel up front and in the choir loft and everything. And we would have, we did have a lobster one year. We had uh, Batman. We had Blue from Blue's Clues. There was a hedgehog one year. We would have all of these children. And somehow, miraculously, it wasn't about all the kids and what they were dressed up as. It was about the inclusive community and everyone all being together. Mm-hmm. And somehow, all of that still pointed to Jesus and that beloved community that Jesus promotes and it was this beautiful way of the holidays not being a stressful thing. Hopefully mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or whoever was getting the kids dressed was not stressing out at home of, you have to wear this certain special thing for this certain special Christmas pageant. But it was pointing to God. And it was pointing to God incarnate and all the way that God brings joy through family, through our church family. And it was one of my favorite days every year because mm. we got to see like, the little kid that wandered in off the street who wanted to be a wise person and ended up looking like the Travelocity roaming gnome <laughs> with like the little beard and everything. And little boys would come in their bathrobes. And it was such a sacred, fun, beautiful way of celebrating Christmas that was inclusive and celebratory and joyful, but it still pointed to God. And that's yeah. that's the most important part that I get to is that our worship is is meant to point to God. And that hopefully it didn't become a performative, I have to do this exactly right to be okay to be up in front of the church. I have to feel this pressure to perform for God, to perform for all the congregation. I can be fully present and just have a good experience in church. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that it was, I hope it was a good experience for all the families. When I, for the five years that I served that congregation, it was a joy every year to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think that's that's what we're talking about is that these things that, that churches do, that Christians do, that, that different faith communities do are not bad in and of itself, but we've used that term twisted before. And that's kind of what we're looking at is when these beautiful gifts that can be celebratory really get twisted into things that become stressful for us or that become um, things that just make us that turn us into bah humbugs instead yes. of instead of the celebration of it. Yes, yeah. And I think theologically too, we who follow Jesus are are trying to ex- exemplify Jesus's inclusiveness, and so we want everyone to feel like they're a part of things and to feel included. And so when the church creates these expectations that you have to be merry and bright. And you have to be dressed a certain way to come and worship or you have to be feeling a certain way that there's not room for brokenness around the holidays, mm-hmm. that there's not room for grief. Yeah, I, that there's I just not keep... room for boundaries with your family. Exactly. Well, and I just keep going back to this phrase that it's okay not to be okay and wanting the church to echo that, not just around the holidays, but all the time, that it's it's okay to not be okay. We um, we mentioned the the longest night One of my, I feel like I say this about a lot of worship services, but one of my favorite (laughs) worship services 
that comes around each year, we celebrate on December 21st on the winter solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's the blessing of the longest night. And it's a special space that we carve out for those who really struggle around the holidays, whether it's struggling due to grief from losing someone you love, from the death of someone you loved, where you're used to celebrating a holiday with that person and that person is no longer living, or grief from losing a job or not being able to celebrate. I think this year in 2020 in particular, I'm putting a lot of time and thought and energy into what that mm-hmm. sacred space will look like mm-hmm. because we're grieving a lot in yeah. 2020 about what we can't do. And it's one of my favorite sacred spaces. And I also wish so desperately and want so desperately for the the church, Big C, and for worshiping in religious communities to be willing and able to do the hard work of creating that space all of the time. Mm-hmm. And not just for the hour or so on the longest night of the year on December 21st. But I think about that service and I think about how grief is amplified and I just I just keep you know you use the term expectations at the beginning and that's what I just keep coming back to as I was would encourage you as our listeners to think about like what what expectations do you have of yourself this holiday season like when you think about the next month or whenever you're listening to this perhaps a few weeks like what is expected of you where did that come from and what would happen if it if you didn't fulfill that expectation my husband said to me not too long ago, are we going to decorate this year? Because it's just been, we're just tired. It's just been a long year. And and I, you know, here it is in, after Thanksgiving when we normally would have decorated. And I just said, I don't know. And you know what? We may not. And that's okay. And you may have decorated two months ago. And that's okay too. Right. Just really starting to figure out where these expectations are coming from and why we buy into them and what's valid and what isn't and giving yourself permission. I give you permission listener to do whatever you need to with your decorations, Right. do whatever you need to with, there's some bigger things. We're going to get into some of those family expectations, but, but I think the grief one is really important and applies so many different areas. You know, you mentioned, yes, when we've lost someone to death and, we really have to think about like Christmas didn't exist in the time of Jesus. <laughs> you know, right. Christmas is not mentioned in the, that term is not in the Bible. Yes. And so we have to remember we've created this. And so we have to think about how much we want to accept about what's been created around us. It's okay if this is a really hard time and you need to step away from some of the celebrations because you don't feel like celebrating or if you're grieving the loss of the way things should be. And I've got, my air quotes going around should be, you know, if you don't have the family that you wanted because you've chosen to step away from that, or they've chosen to exclude you for whatever reason, you may be grieving the loss of that. And that's okay too. Yeah. It, it is, it is a constant reminder for me around the holidays of, um, inclusivity and exclusivity. Who's, who is excluded by the celebration that's happening right now. You know, yeah. when um, when we call something a family, family programming, is there, you know, is a single person a family? Mm. How, do, how are they included? Oh, this and is my turn to go preach. I was single for a long time in the church. And yeah. yeah, it can be very, 
very lonely to be single in the church. And and how do so how do we reach out? How do we reach out and make space for people to be who they who they are and who they need to be? Mm-hmm. You were telling me you have this really beautiful phrase about should. One of my favorite things that I say to clients quite a bit and that I teach my students is this idea that every should could be a could. And if you think about that, like how we say, I should go see my family this Christmas. If we change that to, I could go see my family this Christmas. Like a really simple thing like that turns from an obligation or perhaps someone pointing their finger at you. You should do this, you know, with your, your or pointing the finger at yourself versus I have a choice here. I could do that. That's an option in the world. That also implies there are other options in the world. I should decorate. Everyone's decorating. I should. My house would look so pretty if I decorated. I really should decorate. Versus, I could decorate. That's an option. It's a valid option. I could celebrate in that way, or I might not. You know, I could buy gifts for everyone on my street. Versus, I should buy gifts for all my neighbors, and it just turns this obligation that just feels like this burden on our shoulder into. A choice. Yeah. Feels much more empowering in that way. It also feels a little bit like what we've referenced in some of the other podcasts about the whole rules over mm. over individuality. And it a, a should is this blanket thing that doesn't take into account the maybe individual circumstances yeah. of, well, it could be this way, but it could also be this yeah. way. And Free taking, yourself from your shoulds. Yeah. It's so freeing to realize that, right. that it doesn't have to be a that certain way. you have way. agency. Right. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. So what are your shoulds? What are you feeling pressure to do right now? What are you feeling pressure to do over the next few weeks? And how, what would it be like to release that? That doesn't mean you have to release that. And that doesn't mean that celebrations are a bad thing and that giving gifts and decorating is a bad thing. It just, it, then it can become a celebration versus a burden and an obligation if you choose to do it. So when I hear you talk about uh, the finger wagging and the, the shoulds, I think about, um, I'm not sure how many holiday seasons ago it was but there was a very big cultural um, bring back Merry Christmas and put the Christ in Christmas and there was something about a red cup and Starbucks and the ways in which shame is not a helpful motivator in the least but that that became a big turnoff for me of yeah, and there's nothing, you know, my, oh, uh, wasn't it? Keep the Christ in Christmas. <laughs> we do think Please. that Jesus should be uh, yeah, in Christmas. Yeah, I do, I do, <laughs> I do worship Jesus. And so I'm, that certainly wasn't about that. But the Merry Christmas thing, you, you've got your liturgical holiday soapbox. This one gets under my skin the way, you know, we talked last week about Jesus as a weapon versus Jesus through the lens of love. Yes. And how on earth did Mary effing Christmas become a weapon right that when you don't say Merry Christmas that this makes you a bad person Christians did this some Christians did this not all Christians did this but it became this war in the stores if your clerk does not say Merry Christmas that you're supposed to say Merry Christmas back to them because they had because they happen to say happy holidays how did that happen? How is that loving your neighbor? How is getting self-righteous about that and feeling persecuted because someone uses happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas? Right. And I go back to that inclusive, exclusive, <laughs> like we have a wonderful relationship with the Jewish worshiping community down the road from our church. 
whom we love very dearly who really appreciate when someone says happy holidays to them because I know that that's the exception and rather rather than the rule. Um, but why can't we just speak kindly to yeah. one another and not use it as a weapon? And you know who never said Merry Christmas? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus never, Jesus said, Merry never Christmas. said Merry Christmas. This is a true and story. And that doesn't mean it's bad to say Merry Christmas. It just shouldn't be used as a weapon. It shouldn't be used as a place of division. Yeah. Between I am better than you because I say Merry Christmas and you choose not to say that. You yeah. know, that is not saying that to someone who is not a Christian, who has been hurt by the church or who has never had any interest in Christianity. That's not, oh, I better say Merry Christmas. Let me run to the church right now and understand what this Merry Christmas is about. Maybe it could draw somebody somewhere, but typically that's not how you draw people unto Jesus or yes. into church. It would be wonderful if we were all living in the world of the peanuts and we had Charlie Brown and Linus up on stage and the beautiful microphone to come on Linus while he's holding his blanket where he says, I will tell you what Christmas is all about. (laughs) That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You know, and yes, it rails on materialism and we're doing that a little bit, but that's not the whole point of this podcast, but... You know, that is a beautiful, it's just sharing the story of Jesus. Yes. Which is not about wagging your finger at someone and saying, you did not greet me in the proper greeting for this holiday that Jesus never celebrated. Yes. (laughs) And the way that a Charlie Brown Christmas ends is with them all singing together. And it's that beloved community, that, that inclusion that's bringing everyone together. So my hope, my dream, my, my U-turn for all of us for this holiday stress is how can we how can we turn the stress that we're feeling in the holidays into a way of being inclusive yeah into a way of saying if you are struggling with grief or depression or anxiety or other issues with your mental health there's still a place for you in these celebrations even if they don't feel celebratory to you you're still held and beloved and you still have great value yeah and that You know, it can be a time that is truly all those things we say it is or not. But, you know, it can be a time of peace because you've chosen to say no to some things. Or it can be a time of being bright because this is what bright needs to be to you this Christmas. And maybe next Christmas that'll be different. But that you felt like not the pressure to be all things to all people. And, And let that obligation get twisted. Sorry, I got a little bit on my soapbox with the Merry Christmas. I just, you know, when we think about doing a podcast on religious abuse and mental health, how did we get to this place in our world where Merry Christmas is a weapon? Right. So moving on <laughs> from, right. from Merry Christmas. Um, so let's talk, you want to talk a little bit about family? Yes. And how family expectations. So so take a minute, listener, and think about your plans for for Christmas, I guess that's what we're focusing on now since sure. we're past Thanksgiving yeah. and what you're going to do. And you know what? Many of you, they have wonderfully beautiful families that you are excited to see if you're going to see them or that you're sad that you can't see because of COVID or other restrictions or something like that. And so, you know, I'm really fortunate that I'm really excited to see my family at Christmas that hopefully we'll do it in a safe, socially distanced way. Sure. But I think what happens with those of us who are fortunate to have family that we that we want to see more than once a year. So I would I would add that. There may be a reason you only see some family once a year. Right. And that's Christmas okay. 
that's and that's okay. okay. And, um, but those of us who who have relatively, I mean, certainly far from perfect, but relatively healthy and air quotes around healthy families, it's sometimes really hard to understand how some family systems can be really toxic and can be really unhealthy places for a lot of people because people who have families that they truly enjoy getting spending time with and get encouragement from it can be easy to say like oh Christmas is for family you should go visit your family and think that they are being well-meaning and encouraging you to spend time in an environment that might be really toxic and unhealthy for you right it goes back to I think about the you know what what defines a family too how I am tremendously blessed to have um, what I call a family mm-hmm. and that I have a very deep and abiding love for people who don't share my DNA or who don't share <laughs> my husband's DNA that we're we have a community of people which you and your husband are very much a part of to us like we have our family and our people that we we love and that sometimes means that those are the people that we choose to be around and share important moments with and the holidays are not just um in terms of talking about you know grief and depression and anxiety the holidays are a tough time for introverts let's give Mm. a a shout out to our (laughs) introverts um it's not you know being busy all the time and that stigma around if your calendar's not full if you're if you're not booked all the time and busy all the time well what are you doing with your time and or you don't want to spend every minute of the day when you're home with family in the living room with said family. Right. You know, that that's a bad thing if you need a few minutes to go and take a breath. Yeah. Even though Jesus did that. Jesus went and took lots of breaths. Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus got in the boat and went to the other side and took some time to himself. Like, there were, Jesus had some introvert tendencies that I would like to <laughs> lift up and amplify for for everybody. But yeah, that this, this idea of Everything has to be a certain way. I think about folks that I know who feel like back to your should narrative. My grandmother is only going to be around for so many more Christmases. So I need to go. I should go spend this holiday with this family or um, trying to figure out, oh, well, my mother did. So I know this was a narrative that my spouse and I used many, many times. My mother has done so much for me and all she wants for Christmas is for us all to be together. So yeah. And if you choose to do that, that's not a bad thing. Right. Like that can come from a place of love that can come from, you know, it's not wrong to recognize what will make some other people happy. And because we care about these people and we want to to do that it's not wrong to pile in the car and drive for 17 hours it's just if that has if you're piling in the car and driving for 17 hours to a toxic environment that has that you're only going there out of guilt and you know that you're going to leave with your self-worth in the cellar and you know that's different from like oh, this isn't exactly fun, but this means a lot to this person and I want to do it for this person versus doing this because I love I'm going to sacrifice my mental health for this person. And that's that's where we want you to start thinking about that distinction. Yeah. Uh, Well, to me, that sounds like like such a should could. Hmm. I should go. I'm guilty. I'm 
I'm going to feel awful about myself. I could go. I want to do this for this person. I want to. Um, all of this should, could makes me think a little bit about love languages and the ways in which Dr. Gary Chapman, mm -hmm. who writes about how there are five love languages and the ways in which we receive love and the ways in which we show love. And sometimes it's the same and sometimes it's different. But help me out, Paula, there's... There's quality time, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts. physical touch, acts of service, and, and gifts. Yeah. And different people understand love in different ways. Yeah. And so if we if we make this 17-hour trip because we want to show love so we can spend quality time or we can do this act of service um, in the same way if we use our finances to buy gifts so we can give people things if we use our time to put together acts of service to show someone love that seems so much more like a could than a yeah. should yeah and i i love the concept of the five love languages um so if you're not familiar with that you can i think there's a place online where you can take the test for free and see what your love language is yeah we'll throw a link on our website yeah and in the show notes for this as well with that in there and so the idea that you receive love and show love in a certain way and if you have a family member or a partner or a friend or a coworker even that that has a different way that they show and receive love it's like you're speaking two different languages and you may not realize it you know i always use the example of, of me and my husband we have very different love languages and, and we really had to work at this he is an acts of service he likes to love through cooking through cleaning and i'm believe me i know how fortunate i am for that through doing things and i am a words of affirmation kind of person and so if i come home from a hard day and i just want to talk and have him reassure me about something but he's in the throes of cooking dinner and that's how he is showing me love but i am not feeling it in that moment because he's not paying attention to me sure because i'm not getting my words of affirmation in that moment it's like we're speaking two different languages and christmas i think is just a place where yes all of these can be amplified and people can be speaking so many different languages you know like if gifts is your love language and gifts and that's not a materialistic kind of thing it's not you have to give me a thousand dollar gift it's the idea of i think that might be one of your love languages yes. jill describe it. well it's those of us who have a love language of gift giving or gift receiving are we are not materialistic and shallow it's the act of thinking about who someone is and crafting something uh, you know, I'm here in this grocery store and I saw this and it made me think of you. You're on my mind. You're in my heart. I want to give you something. I want to give of my resources. So it's a very relational. Yeah, it's the thought behind it. Yes. Truly. Like it really, yes. we use that phrase a lot, but it really is the meaning, a tangible meaning. Yes. That is more helpful. Yeah. But if that's your love language and then your family says, we're not going to do gifts anymore. We're just going to spend time together. You know, that... That can feel like a gut punch because yeah. all of a sudden you're going, okay, I like spending time with people, but that's not my main way that I show and receive love. Right. You know? Or, you know, words of affirmation can be through a beautiful card. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're not sending cards anymore. Things like that. Right. Um, yeah. So, so that's, I think, yeah, that's an important thing to realize that 
people's demands of the holidays, we typically think through our own lens and, and sometimes have trouble realizing that somebody else has a different way that they may want to relate to us. Right. And to sort of provide some space there. And some of that could go through, you know, how do we hold our boundaries and how do we communicate around those things? Um, when we're with family, is there this very strong need for everything to be this pristine, joyful, everything's fine, everything's okay, and we're not going to talk about this person's struggle with mental health, and we're not going to talk about this person's, they lost their job, and, and they're not, they're really struggling to make ends meet, and we're not going to talk about the things that are not okay, because everything needs to be fine, because mm-hmm. we have to be our shiny, perfect things. And there's not space to not be okay. In the same way that on, on in a Christmas Eve church service, everyone's supposed to come walking in on their Sunday best, Christmas Eve best, you know, get your Christmas Eve dress. Or um, we hear about Easter dresses all the time. Yeah. Like you have to come dressed to impress and put on the show that everything yeah. is okay when it's really okay for it not to be okay. It's just, it's exhausting to have to be in performance mode yes. all the time. Yes. And so, so think about maybe how that is coming up for you with your family interactions or with whatever else you're struggling with this time. Um, but, you know, when, when we think about family and we go back to family expectations. So what is your family expecting of you? What is healthy for you this Christmas? Is it okay for you to say no? You know, when I tried to think about this from a biblical perspective and really put it in that world, I wanted to hear your thoughts, Jill, on the the commandment to honor your mother and father and how that, I think, gets manipulated quite a bit. That's used, can, that lens of a weapon versus a lens of love. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy for me to do because I have wonderful parents who have shown me unconditional love and who I want who like it's an honor to honor them right. and then there are plenty of situations of people who don't have parents that were shown that and yet this commandment can be thrown around by Christian parents or other Christian family members of you know you have to do everything I say because you're supposed to honor me in this way mm-hmm. and so I just wanted your theological take on that like what does that mean to set boundaries with parents that are maybe sometimes hard to honor? Well, I definitely think that when we look really at that particular portion of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, the Torah, so um, Jesus actually isn't isn't in all this. Actually, Jesus says some interesting things about mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and families uh, and the way that we think about it. But the, the commandment in the Torah to honor your father and mother is about the uh it's one of the ten commandments and the commandments are were not given to be exclusive Hmm. they were given to be inclusive god spoke through moses to help the people of israel who were stuck in the wilderness at that point in time and had been there for a really long time help so that they could better be the people of god and so when we extract something from that context um nerd alert that's called proof texting where we don't look at what comes before or what comes after or the context of what is going on at the time. And so anytime that scripture is weaponized, well, the Bible says you have to do this. Like, if you really loved me, you would do X, Y, Z. I feel like that's another way of of looking at things. And, and honoring our parents, 
I think has to do a lot with being our genuine and authentic selves. And if being our genuine and authentic selves means that we have to say no or I can't or or put some boundaries around that, I think about how hard it must be for our siblings in the LGBTQIA plus community whose families are not affirming of their identities, for our siblings who might not fit a, a cisgender or a heteronormative narrative, who feel as though their families are not a safe place to go. How, how can they fulfill that commandment? I think thinking about how they fulfill the commandment maybe gets away from the point that God gave these commandments to help us better be the beloved community. And so maybe honor thy father and mother is not saying to a transgender teen, you have to do what your parents say, but you can be respectful of them while distancing yourself. And from sometimes them. the most respectful thing is to distance yourself. Yes. Yes. It, to, to not be harmful or aggressively anti against something, but also to, 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 to value that. And, and maybe your father and your mother that you're honoring are not necessarily the people whose DNA that you share, but the people mm. who are serving those roles. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, an important part, too. Yeah. And that it doesn't necessarily just need to be your father and mother. That family expectation is so big around the holidays and the should, should, should when it could be a choice. Yeah. It could be, you know, when wouldn't you so much rather it be a choice that people are wanting to come and be with you, that people are wanting to give you these gifts, that people are wanting to come and share this time with you than doing it out of obligation. Yeah. And to... You know, I think when, when this gets abused or at least harmful is, you know, this idea that saying no is dishonoring. Just because your mom, your toxic, unhealthy, narcissistic mom says that doesn't make, I'm saying you generally, not either one of us, <laughs> but just because that this mom might say that doesn't make it true. Like doesn't mean that you saying, you setting this boundary is dishonoring to me. That doesn't necessarily make it true you can still honor someone and set boundaries with someone yeah sometimes that is honoring them yes and so that doesn't mean that they're going to like it that doesn't mean that you're going to get the that they're going to say oh yay you know i i appreciate that you did that but one of my favorite i don't know if it's a quote or a concept but you know if if you set boundaries with someone and they get upset that really should reinforce the fact that you Needed you to set, set a boundary. good boundary. Um, because like, I I really love and appreciate it when my friends say, no, I cannot do this thing that you're asking me to do. Because that tells me they feel safe enough with me to say no. And that I can ask them again and trust that if they say yes, they really can do, or they want to spend this time with me, or they can do this favor for me. Because they felt safe enough to say no. Yeah. And so maybe when you're thinking about obligations and expectations, expand the idea of what honor might mean and stand for yeah so you you just mentioned trust so i want to dig into that a little bit more so how do we understand this concept of trust around the holidays of mm. of where it's safe to trust where it might not be safe to trust how do we who are we trusting how are we trusting let's talk about that a little bit yeah because if you've never said no to someone or if you've said no and 
it became a big dramatic deal, then it's then you can't trust that it's okay for you to say no again. Like that kind of breaks that trust that you have the autonomy to make these choices. Right. Um, or, you know, can you trust this relationship to be a healthy relationship for you? Or were you thinking of yeah. other things too? Well, so the place where my mind goes is the trust that there will be space for you. Mm-hmm. Um, trusting that the that our congregational family is going to be okay with me crying when a certain hymn is played mm-hmm. because it makes me miss my mom. Yeah. Or um, that... And that doesn't make you less of a pastor. That right. doesn't make you less of a leader. Yeah. That makes you human. Right. Or that there are, are single people in our church family who can trust that there is space for them to come and be their genuine and authentic selves and that there's not this expectation that they need to have a date or a plus one or to figure and things out. And that they out. will be loved and accepted and not feel weird or alone or side-eyed like I did in many churches through the years um, when I was alone in those churches. Yeah. Yeah, That's but the thing about trust is it can be broken so easily mm-hmm. and it often has to be built you know um once once it's broken it's very hard to rebuild and and wanting to find a way i i think i go back to this idea that the church big c has broken trust for a lot of people because Mm. the church is supposed to be this safe place for for you to come and for you to go and and whether that is came from a from a leader or from the congregation or from from the way that scripture or theology was twisted, that this trust was broken and it somehow became less of a safe place. And and so maybe the drive behind this particular episode is that 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 we do have work to rebuild this trust, that there's there's space for you yeah. and that you can trust that it's it's gonna be safe and that that you will be valued as you are, even if as you are is feeling grieved or broken or anxious Mm -hmm. or fearful and when we say space for you that might not be the space that you're currently looking at or the space that you're current like we don't want to be Pollyanna that this can happen anywhere like it what we are saying is that there are spaces where there is space for you yeah and that it's worth seeking if that's something you want it's worth seeking that out yes yeah yeah, and, and maybe this community of listeners, maybe this is the space that's being created where it's okay to not be okay, where you are beloved as you are, and you're beloved when you have boundaries, and you're beloved when you say no, and you're beloved when you buy presents and when you don't, and when you decorate and when you don't. You're beloved, you're beloved, you're beloved, you're beloved. Amen. And think about what is truly meaningful for you or figure out what's you may not even know figure out what's truly meaningful to you yeah. and then invest in that um and if other people if other people are not completely on board with that then you have to we're not not only be okay with you not being okay be okay with other people not being okay with everything right that that it's okay to disappoint people sometimes if you need to do that for your own mental health yes And I'm kind of amazed that we've gotten this far and we haven't really talked about COVID a lot. Um, So we just, for people who are listening to this not long after it comes out in 2020, we recognize that that COVID amps up all of this, especially the family stuff. You know, if you are someone who is 
taking it a little bit more seriously and using a lot of precautions and you have family members that are pressuring you to spend time with them and shaming you for wanting to, to distance yourself if you need to, um, know that we recognize yeah, that that makes a lot of what we're talking about harder. We're actually going to spend a lot of time in our next episode talking. Didn't we decide that's our next episode? Our next gonna episode about... is going to be about COVID yeah. and the stresses of the pandemic. And the ways that the church can really twist this idea of faith over fear and God's healing and making you well. And so so that is going to come up quite a bit more. And we also recognize this that really overlays everything that we've been talking about as well. Uh, we love interacting with you and we would love to interact with you more. If you have holiday stress stories, if you have thoughts or things to share, suggestions as we prepare for upcoming episodes, uh, tell us how, how you're being impacted by the pandemic, how COVID is uh, impacting your mental health, is impacting your spiritual health. Yeah. And we're also planning new upcoming episodes on feedback that we've received from some of you so far so that's always great when we hear what you want to hear so so please yeah find us on social media we're on facebook and instagram at sacred intersections podcast we're on twitter at sacred pod Um, we have a new website that's tell me because jill is working on this yeah sacred intersections podcast.com dot com we may even have some merch on there if you're just dying to have a t-shirt that right. says radical hospitality or love um, or sacred intersections, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We also want to say thank you so much to our associate producer, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Who uh, helped us with our sound optimization and does a lot of our editing for us. So we're really grateful and we love you a whole lot. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. We mentioned we have some great messages. We've also been overwhelmed with those of you who've shared this with lots of people. So please, if you've heard something that you think might be helpful or healing or just even a discussion prompt for someone else, you know, again, we've said many times, you may disagree with us and that's totally okay. Absolutely. We've heard from some people that they may use this podcast as a discussion prompt for maybe some small Zoom groups that their church is doing and and that's the, the best thing we can hear is that it's creating discussion, not necessarily agreement, but just right. thoughtful reflection. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So if you're getting something out of it and want to share with other people, that would be awesome. Yes. Um, if you yeah. want to help us promote things, you could leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. That's a, a great way to help, and we appreciate that. And I know that we've become that podcast now, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yep. So... Please let us know your thoughts and safe travels through all your sacred intersections this week.